Welcome to Long Story Short Podcast, where we reveal short stories of an active, living God who shows up in everyday life. You paid the price for all the world and me. You paid the price for all the world to see. And for those who choose you now, Shalom. Welcome to Long Story Short Podcast, ordinary stories that reveal an extraordinary God. My name is Brent Severson, and I'm here with my wife, Lisa, and this is podcast number 11. If you caught podcast number 10, you know we're currently leading a four-week series at our church. It's called A Story Big Enough to Live In. As with the last episode, this one is a condensed summary of our notes of the class. If you're interested in learning more about storytelling, this material will be right up your alley. Normally, we start off and give you a podcast with someone giving you their story, but inside this podcast, we'll reveal some examples of our stories. Once again, we want to kick things off with a psalm passage that's central to our calling as believers. Psalm 96.3 says, Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. We followed up with these three questions in light of that mandate. If we're to publish his glorious deeds among the nations, then what is God up to? And if he's up to something and he's called us to share it, well, what's our role in that story? And how do we tell that story and tell it well? Just as in the class, we want to acknowledge God as the master storyteller. So let's ask him to run the show here. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for all of our listeners who are interested in storytelling and interested in the podcast to hear about the amazing things that you do and that you do through the lives of those who believe in you. Lord, we just ask that you infuse this material, be present in it, and be present amongst the listeners. Speak to them directly what it is they need to hear. And Lord, We just acknowledge that you are the master storyteller, and we thank you for that, and we thank you for giving us a story big enough to live in. Amen. So let's ask, after last week, are you still questioning whether or not you have stories worth telling? Well, get ready, because we're going to repeat our answer to that question a number of times in the next 20 minutes. And the simple answer is God gave every one of us the power and means to tell stories. And it's just that it may look a little different for each of us. And that's because of our unique lives and circumstances and the unique way he made each one of us. Storyteller and musician Jason Gray has written a lot that encourages people to tell their stories. Here's one thing he says about storytelling. 
It's a gift bestowed upon us by the great storyteller who made us in his image. He whose words are made flesh endows us with the power to bring our own stories to life. When we remember this and walk in the truth and grace of it, we tell better stories with our lives. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? That's from Mark 4.30. And that's what we want to begin asking ourselves. How might our lives provide glimpses into the kingdom of God? This is a question we started asking ourselves that led us to begin the producing, producing this podcast, Long Story Short Podcast. We noticed how the world's message today is that God's either uninvolved, irrelevant, or doesn't exist. We know that isn't the case, and we say he's involved. So how do we describe that? We felt compelled to compile those stories. And as we started to look for the stories, we found that people really seemed to struggle in telling them. They often say, well, I know someone who has a better story, or I just don't know how to tell it. But the truth is, every person has many good stories. You have great stories to tell. Start with the stories that get told and retold in your family, and the stories you tell people about yourself when you first meet and get to know them. These are what we're going to call your go-to stories. We won't go into the details of our own go-to stories, but we want to just whet your appetite while we give a high-altitude flyover of just a few. So here's three of mine. There's the trip that friends and I took to southern Minnesota to see eagles. I think we counted 29 of them on that trip. On the way home, an SUV came at us at full speed on the highway, going the wrong way. That was a story. Number two, I planned to spend a weekend on retreat with God at my brother's cabin. Now, within an hour of being there, I find myself locked out with no shoes or keys. That's when I knew my agenda to hear from God was replaced by his. It turned out to be quite an amazing day. Then there was the Christmas production. I was in the choir on stage with a string of Christmas lights that started sparking. I nearly started on fire. I think a few people in the class started chuckling, so I was wondering if they were actually there. When I don't know. Someone saw those sparks. <laughs> well, here's a quick look at three of my go-to stories. Um, one of them is a story that I have often told about a drive that my friend Gary and I took from Minneapolis to Virginia for a NASCAR race. Yeah, that's right. We, we went all halfway across the country for a NASCAR race. And after the race, of course, there was a huge traffic jam, which literally took about two to three hours to clear. And we were stuck in a parking lot next to several members dressed up in KKK masks. That was an interesting story. Number two, I took a drive uh, on the Pacific Coast Highway after attending a friend's wedding out in Portland. I rented a convertible and drove uh, from Portland down to San Francisco along the coast. Uh, but the, um, the interesting thing about that particular story is that I invited God to be with me on that trip. So he would have to direct where I stopped, when I stopped, where I ate, and what I did. 
And it was really one of the most interesting vacations I have ever taken. And then the third story was uh, years ago, I was in the Peace Corps and I was in Senegal, West Africa. And I decided I was going to try to walk to my village. And I ended up walking probably somewhere between 20 and 30 miles in the dark without a flashlight across the desert. And it just so happened that the fields that I had to walk through had been infested with millions and millions of locusts. That was an interesting story. So you can kind of see just from those few examples that we gave you that if we took you into the details, you would notice that not all of these stories are directly about God. But what we trust is that all of our stories are in his hands. He's moving through all the events of our lives. Keep that in mind and don't discount the important stories just because, just because God's name isn't mentioned. Even the valuable book of Esther in the Bible doesn't mention God's name, but we all know he's still the central character. We're really hoping these exercises that we've done so far and the questions we've been asking since week one have stirred up your memory and reminded you of some of your go-to stories. One thing we didn't really dive into last week is the value of story as legacy. We want to encourage you to gather the stories, particularly those where you've seen God work distinctly and in some way preserve them for generations. Your family's history is jam-packed with facts, figures, dates, and names, but aren't the stories what are most interesting and memorable? Imagine if you had 10 good stories that would greatly outweigh the impact of the stacks of facts and figures. I've got one such story. My great-great-grandfather wrote a letter to my great-great-grandmother before they married. He lived in Minnesota and was, work and was wanting, to hear, wanting her to leave Denmark and join him. So the letter is a story that has made a great impact on me because of the legacy it tells. This story, um, I'll, I'll just read a portion of the letter, and it's a translation um, from Danish. So the uh, English sounds maybe a little bit funny, um, but keep in mind that he wrote this uh, in Oct on October 15th, 1881 in Dane Prairie which is a township right outside of Fergus Falls. And what's really interesting, of course, is that my great-great-grandfather, Hans, he wasn't married to my great-great-grandmother yet, but he wanted her desperately to come to America, to see America for herself, and to eventually get married to him. And he starts off the letter, the portion of the letter that I won't read, describing the land, the barns, the livestock, the lakes. He describes even a little bit about the weather, uh, the animals. But after that description, he pauses and he starts out and really tells his heart to her in a story. And this is what he said. I am now starting something new for today. Today is Sunday, and I am very happy because I was in Fergus Falls today where I, for the first time, met Soskand in America. Now, 
the Danish word soskand covers both men and women, and in this instance, he is speaking of the people of his church, brothers and sisters in the same faith. He goes on and he says, I have also received a letter from you and my parents, and I am feeling very good and satisfied. I have not been so glad in America before. I like very much to be in America. I will now tell you a bit about how I happened to meet them, the Soskand. I had prayed to my dear Savior, asking him for it to be good weather Saturday night and on Sunday that I might meet together with them, and we had very fine weather Sunday morning, and I was glad, and I started on my way to the town soon after I had eaten my breakfast. Peter Vatliv had just told about the location of the church in town. I reached the town and found the door was locked, and I felt rather strange about this, but I walked around the building and looked through a window, and then I saw lamps in there and a table with about 16 Bibles on it. This made me happy. I thought, when there were so many Bibles, it had to be the Baptists there. And it did not take over a couple of minutes before the arrival of a load of people. They came right to the church where I was, and they nodded when they were still on the wagon. They left the wagon and opened the door to the chapel, and I followed behind. I did not know for sure if they were Baptists, but I thought they were. There were not many, about 40 members in the congregation, and there was no preacher present today. However, one of the members spoke, and I was quite well satisfied with him as he spoke lovingly about David's psalms. And my soul was nourished, and the Lord alone be praised because of it. I found this to be my edifying place here, and they asked me to come again Saturday afternoon when they had a meeting planned. I have walked 20 miles today. That is like five Danish miles. But I am feeling so good that I think I could well have walked another 20. I am well and have it good, and God be praised for that. But I miss my Dorothea here today because you help and benefit me so very much. And I therefore ask you, if God wills it and we live, will you travel to me during the spring if your parents do not object to it? And if you feel inclined to do it, you should not worry about what others say because it would be of no importance what they tell you about America at home. They know nothing more than you, but they will try to impress you. But I think it would be foolishness to pretend to know when in reality they know nothing. So if your parents do not have anything against it, then you make your decision about that you love to travel to your friend in the spring because it will be better for you and you will not regret it. And if it should happen that you do regret it, then we will return to Denmark together. Perhaps you will think that I could travel to Denmark to you, but to travel home, to go into service and labor all my lifetime and get nothing out of it, that should be difficult. While here, 
you could, without a doubt, get a job in the city where you would have the church next to you and you could get to talk to me whenever you wish. (laughs) So that's the story of my great-great-grandfather, Hans Jensen, who wrote this letter. This letter was saved by my great-great-grandmother in a red velvet box that stayed up on her, her mantle in her bedroom. And it was found many years later by, um, by my relatives. And so it was obviously a cherished letter that she had. But it has become a cherished letter for the rest of us in the family because it shows his heart, but it also shows that he and Dorothea really put the Lord first in their lives. And that's a legacy that's so very important to me to know and understand. Yeah, it's really clear how important that is. I think that's the first time that I've ever heard you read that letter and not get choked up. Um, Now, at this point in the class, we showed a, a very short video of an older couple telling the story of how they met. It's a great example of how you can tell a moving, poignant story in under three minutes. I'm guessing this little video will leave a cherished legacy for generations for their family. We posted that video in our show notes, so go ahead and take a look at that. And then we want to ask, what do you want your kids and your grandkids to remember about you? Maybe your nieces and nephews. What are your go-to stories that... um, they will want to tell and retell one another. How will they know God was central to your life? Your history is rich with nearly endless supply of content. The secret is pulling out a thread that can be easily consumed by people. You know, at this point, we're well into the second stop of our storytelling voyage. So we just want to pause and take a little GPS reading on where we are and where we're headed. You know, at week one, you finished the Gathering Clues worksheet, which was a series of questions that really focused on, you know, your childhood, your past, got you to think about some of those stories. We even did a table talk and shared some of our go-to stories with each other in class. And next week, we're going to help you develop those stories into narratives. But before you can get there you need to identify your story timeline. So that's what this podcast is about. It's about the what. What are your stories as you dig deeper into your timeline? Hopefully, we established last week why looking back into our childhood can be such an important step. This timeline is a tool that'll help take your gathering clues worksheet one step further. And right before we get into the details of the timeline, We just want to stop and recognize that all sorts of things can surface from this exercise. You might run into reminders of things that were important long ago that maybe you have to revisit again. There might be um, places where you want to stop and, and express your gratitude for things that God has done in your life. And then there might be painful experiences that come up. Maybe they need another layer of healing. Brent and I were trained in a prayer ministry where we've seen clearly how painful things we face today are so often residuals of experiences from childhood. 
Now, if you run across those kinds of experiences in your doing your timeline, you might need to hear Jesus speak truth into those places. So our next step in this week's class was to fill out a life exploration timeline. Um, you could just do this simply by taking a, a large sheet of paper and adding events on a timeline. Events such as births, graduations, spiritual milestones, marriage, deaths, illnesses, breakups, jobs, you know, all those big things in life. Um, add those to your timeline. After adding those kind of life events, take a moment to circle your go-to stories. Remember, those are those stories that really stand out most to you. Then identify your themes. For instance, are there seasons that are marked by love, adventure, danger, heroism, or sacrifice, maybe illness, hardship? The next step is to add the symbol of hearts next to events that depict adventure and mystery, love, or beauty. Then add arrows next to the events that depict pain, illness, fear, or difficulty. Finally, take some time to add hopes and dreams that you have for the future to this timeline. Now, this timeline exercise isn't going to be finished quickly. You might take days or even weeks to complete it. Um, the, the main thing is just to start it. You may even want to update it annually. It's a great way to keep track and pray over your life. Now, put some thought and prayer to it. Ask the Lord how he wants to speak to you in it or even bring healing to you through it. We're going to go ahead and use the timeline in our class, and we'll be talking about how to condense some of the stories on it. In the meantime, pick out one or two of your stories and practice telling it in just 90 seconds. If you're still struggling to come up with a story, see if any of these questions help something surface. How did you and your spouse meet? Did you have a favorite memory from dating? Or how about a favorite vacation story? Maybe a time you confronted someone that stands out in your memory. Or a story that involves a childhood pet. Go ahead and share the story with a trusted friend or family member. See how it goes. In the next episode, we'll talk more about how to condense the details to craft a story that draws people in. Thanks for exploring the art of storytelling together with us. We look forward to sharing more with you the next time. In the meantime, watch for the stories God puts in your path. Thanks again for listening to another installment of Long Story Short Podcast. We appreciate you and your encouragement. And thanks for subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, and now on TuneIn. That's how you get automatic feeds for each story on your personal mobile device or tablet, or even on your laptop. By submitting a review on one or more of those services, you help us get the word out. And that's how you can be a part of this story. The point of the podcast is to share God's stories with more people. So thanks for sharing it with friends on social media. And thanks again to Les Elias and the Sons of Abbey for their music contributions. Check out links to their music in the blog notes. Bye-bye.